In a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another brand new episode of the Top 10. I am John Roca. And I am Matt Nost. And we're here to bring you another week of movie talk. Thanks to one of our patrons, Mr. Lawrence Witt, I believe. Yeah. It's a great topic. And we are going to, oh, no, I'm sorry. This is Josh Rivera. Josh Rivera. Oh, okay. My apologies, Josh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, suggested a great topic. Uh, but I did see. Mm. Some artwork for the next Transformers. And, I mean, yes. did you get any kind of a chub? Did you oh, see? Well, there's a silverback. At this age, it gets a little hard to get the chub. But I tell you what, I did get excited. I got the nerd chub because it's Beast Wars. And I don't know how many of the people who are listening to us are watching us. To, you know, we're doing live for our $10 and above patrons. They're getting to listen and watch the show ahead of time of everybody else. But I don't know how many of them were fans of the Beast Wars back in the 90s. But that uh, run of Transformers stuff saved Transformers uh, because it had kind of run its course. So the irony that it's coming back in essence to try to save Transformers yet again is kind of uh, poetic justice in a way. So or poetic in a way. Uh, So I like that. But, yeah, I'm a fan of it. You know, we're going to have apparently it's 300 years in the future, but yet it's like prehistoric creatures. So. It's a bit confusing, my man. Sure, sure. Um, I just saw the one still. And oh, yeah. You're not the only Transformers fan that I have in my life, so oh. I instantly go through the Rolodex of, I wonder who's the most excited right now. Um, yeah. I just... It does, does it look cool? Yes. Yeah. Undeniably, it looks great. I just... I have no trust behind... Or tr- <laughs> no trust for the individuals, but the brain trust, as it were, for this project. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, you've got you've got Stephen Cable Jr. who did Creed two. I liked Creed two. I don't know how you feel about Creed two. Um, Never saw it. Oh, okay. And then they don't have Michael Bay involved in the minutia of it, but they did say EP. they did say in the press conference it was going to be an intimate story, but with the spectacle of the Michael Bay film. So I don't know. That seems to me I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know. You're trying to walk a line, and yeah, yeah. I that's beyond the thinnest of lines. You know, <laughs> that's what I'm worried about. That is like, what's the truth here? You know, yeah. This isn't a slack line where those things are actually wider than a regular rope. It's still really difficult to do. No, this is fucking dental floss. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can do it. I mean, unless they're trying to do take some of the aspect of Bumblebee and then maybe more of the style of. A Michael Bay because perhaps right. that resonated better than the retro futurish from Bumblebee. Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. I, it's just, it's a tall order, man. It's a lot to ask uh, for sure. And uh, you're right. I mean, a lot of people who are Transformers fans have been burnt by the movies, but a lot of people who love those movies didn't like Dumble- Bumblebee and didn't go see it in the theaters at the same numbers. 
Of course, some people say, oh, maybe that was a little bit fatigue, Transformers fatigue, because last night had only been a year and a half earlier. I mean, maybe. I think people are going to go see, for the most part, I think people are going to go see a good movie if it's a damn good movie, especially if it's a tentpole picture. It's rare that a big tentpole picture that gets reviewed really well uh, doesn't do well at the box office. That's kind of rare. So It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know on that one because it did seem to be the the problem is the movie did well at the box office. It did. It did oh, yeah, it did good at it the did. box office for return on investment. It did well. It just didn't do banana times Transformers well. Yeah. Which is it's undeniable. It's like right. Michael Bay is going to do it. Then it's going to make one point two billion dollars yeah. for an investment of two hundred and fifty million. That's not bad. It just. Well, we did what, like 550? 468. 468. Yeah. And it was made for about 135 million was the budget. That's not bad. That's not bad. All right. I mean, three and what, a third over your budget? Yeah, but two and a half times is when you start to see profit. Exactly. So 270. So two, what, 132, so 315. So maybe it's all about $150 million of profit. Being generous, maybe it's all 100. That's but not a lot for a studio. Now it lives on in streaming and. and yeah, I don't know whatever. what it is. Yeah, Video on demand purchases. Yeah. And everything else. I agree. It just didn't do Transformers. Hey, right. this schlock fest with a tenuous hold on its own pilot. And meanders and veers off course for no reason. I mean, mm-hmm. just all of a sudden you're in a different location. No explanation as to why the story genuinely needed to progress to this specific location. Yeah. That aside, you know, fuck it. We don't need it because we got 50 foot robots. So China, China, we're going to China. I don't know where. <laughs> it's just that movie backwards and forwards. Like, what? <laughs> why is this the blatant product placement? Just blatant. <laughs> Don't ask questions, Matt. We're going to China. <laughs> Just to guarantee that they can open at the Chinese market. Exactly. That's As if they weren't going to open at the Chinese market anyway. But money is money, man. You got to make that money. That's what it's all about. So, I mean, um, sure. It is a pure capitalistic endeavor. Yeah. That's what, that's what infuriates me sometimes. People go, why do you bring up money? And it's like, because you can't divorce the two. You cannot divorce, divorce rather, money. Well, from the quality of the film. And by that, I mean, and I hope people hear out the rest of the sentence here before they comment. By that, I mean, um, studios, sure, they want to make good movies, but only because it can lead to great box office. That's the only reason. It's a business. They're not making movies uh, to not make money, you know? 1,000%. But some some endeavors are solely to make money, which at this point to me, Transformers is. Well, like the art- you, but the artistic you, merit is only to facilitate selling more tickets in this. Well, uh, I think it, it depends on how you look at it, right? Like the artistic merit, the designs of these transformers are incredible. True. So, so there's artistry there, certainly from the special sure. effects people and from the people yeah. who designed them. I'm not Story saying that they're wise, not all talented at their job. They are right, 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 right. Um, but please continue. No, no, I was going to say, but storyline wise. I think you have a valid point there. Yeah. 
It's fine though. It's like if you go into it with those now I won't watch. I didn't see last night, first night, whatever it was called. Yeah. It's the only one I haven't seen though. <laughs> and potentially will I see this next one? There's a damn good chance. I kind of wish there was Thunderdome back again and the fans could vote on you to watch last night. <laughs> uh, we'd have to watch it live together so I can make fun of it. <laughs> and you have to try and defend it to me. I would absolutely do a watch along of last night. Uh, I have no qualms about doing that. I've got it 4K. I can pop it on S5 right now. I got no problems with that. I like so, that movie. It's a nutty yeah. movie. Are you saying you know a way to pipe that in so it's like on a third window and I'm just watching it smaller on this stream? Oh, absolutely. I could probably share the screen in some mm. format or in some way for us to be able to do that for sure. Um, I think there's a way to do that or I can figure out. We landed on the fucking moon. I'm sure I can figure out how to stream a movie to both of us for people to watch along with. So Quite possibly. <laughs> I just feel like, you know. Yeah, but um, we landed on a moon shore. You and I had nothing to do with it. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. We were not involved <laughs> yeah. in the process in any way. Shape, I'm not saying you couldn't stream it, but uh, I mean, the technicality of, yes, we landed on a moon. <laughs> we also invented fire and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We've done quite a bit collectively. It's true. It's true. So how are you doing, man? Are you are you are you venturing back out there, man? Are you going to things? Are you you know? Yeah. All my friends are hanging out and sending pictures at bars and movies and all restaurants and all this shit. No, but what do you? How are you doing with it? Uh yeah, I'm good. As long as I just follow whatever the guidelines are. Yeah. I'm curious as to when the mask mandate is going to come down. Um, hmm. well, just saying it businesses because they can do whatever they want. Right, 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 right. Uh, and I don't care. I just carry a mask with me, and yeah, uh, I still use it. But I have been in a few places where I'm the only person, or I'm one of I'm 25 percent of people now. In mm -hmm. certain, like you go to Seven Eleven, there's five people in there. Three of them may not have a mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, which, given, the same thing here. Same thing here. Okay. So yeah, um, which, you were which sorry, is fine. You I, yeah, I'm inoculated just as you are. Well, at yeah. least. I have a better defense, just as you do now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, can still get it. Look, Chris Paul, you know, you can still yeah. get it. Yeah. Wow. Um, that was kind of a shock. Yeah. But then again, bit. yeah. But then again, the Yankees, eight of those Yankees tested positive and they were vaccinated. So you just never know. Yeah, you don't. All right. All right. All right. Matt Nost, what's your feeling here? Ben Simmons, do you trade this guy? Do you believe Doc Rivers later saying we're gonna um, we're gonna coach this dude up and get him ready, or do you think Daryl Morey's on the phone right now with like ten different phones to his ear trying to make it happen? Um, I would assume Daryl's gonna take the wait and see approach because right now his stock is at an all time low. It is, but you're not gonna teams, get much for him. Exactly, in two months, teams. Some of the front offices will have talked themselves into, you know what, though? I think we could do it. Kid's got all the talent in the world. He's already been an all-star. We just got to teach him a couple offensive moves. That's crazy. Uh, he's a three-time all-star, Matt. Three times. What the fuck happened in those years that he was a three-time all-star? Well, because he, he was young and his potential was through the roof. Yeah, I guess. And now it's regressed to a degree where... I already had a problem with it two years ago. I was like, dude, can you give me any kind of shot? Anything. Yeah. No post game, something. Um, 
because the intangibles you have, your size, your speed, court vision, defensive ability, and defensive ability, not foul. It's like insanely impressive. How how about a two-foot game? Right. And then we build out from there, please. (laughs) Please. Because you're asking Joel to do too much. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, that team fell apart. Atlanta looks, Jesus Christ. Wow, dude. That was a good game. 48 points for Trey. That was a good game. Yeah, man. I was. Sh- I thought for sure the Bucks were just going to kind of, you know, stomp all over them in the first game, and the, the Hawks would fight back, and it would be close. But then maybe the Bucks win this thing in six. If Atlanta somehow finds a way to win the next game, Matt, holy shit! I mean, that would just be insane. And now you could start planning Devin Booker versus Trey Young. You could start yeah. planning it now. Well, that being said, the Bucks held serve for almost the entirety of the game. Yeah. It was always close, but yep. they held serve. You're right. Now it seemed like Atlanta's buckets came easier to them. Uh, whereas Milwaukee had to work harder, especially in the second half. At least yeah. that's my memory of it. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't, the world is not upside down for Milwaukee. It's one game. Fine. Now you got to win four out of the next six. Now, yeah, you're right. They lose the next one. You're in trouble. Just like the Clippers tonight. If you go down 0-3, you might as well just go ahead and shut Kawhi down for the season. Yeah. Because uh, he's not playing game three. Yeah. So. That you know, be, I know. It's 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 good time of year, man. It's a good time of year. There's a lot <laughs> of good basketball. Uh, yeah. It's been some I, excellent games. Dude, that, that – um... Suns Clippers game was stellar. Was fantastic. Uh, well, uh, save for the twenty minutes of re- reviews. Oh my reviews, god! Rather. Right, right. But that's I, I always factor that in because I'm like oh. I've seen so many of these games. They're going to do that. But dude, Tyrone Tyrone Lou is a bitch, man. I mean, trying to sneak other players onto the court, pretending as if he didn't know the rule, man. That's a crafty little thing. That's a crafty move, man. Yeah, that's games with you. But when it's taking forever to sort it out, and they have to go to the review. Yeah. That's when it's like, come on, man. Right, right. You know that you can't do that. We all know sitting at home, you can't right. do that. And the announcers are talking about it ad nauseum, which if he didn't know, it got back to his bench by then, just FYI. Right. Uh, so he knew full well, and they're just stalling for time to try and set up and be like, ah, damn it. Yeah. Reggie Jackson, get your ass on the bench because you know you weren't in that last play. Nick Batum, Let's go. waddle back on, buddy. You're you're playing. Oh, uh, yeah. Someone said yeah. longest ending since Return of the King. Mason Sasser said. <laughs> it was so stupid, but the action was so good. Oh, it was I don't, worth it. I don't care. It was worth it. That 50 50 ball, or not even 50 50 ball, that, that uh, Bev oh. knockout of uh, on the yeah. turnover, that's BS. Yeah. He may right? have touched it last, but that is BS. Yeah, but the ball wouldn't have been going out yeah. of bounds if exactly. Beverly doesn't hit it. So that's, I think, uh, who was it? It was calling the game. They said, oh, yeah, I think Van it was Gundy, Gundy was, was, yeah, Van Gundy, I, yeah. As he was saying it, I was already having the same thought of, like, that's not the, you know, that's not the spirit of the law. Right. He said, at any other time in the game, it's definitely exactly. Sun's ball. So why are we doing this here? And it this, is. And then he got really dramatic. He was like, this is bad for the entire game, for the end. It is. Like, it's just a bad call, man. Calm down. Well, because it sets a precedent. Sure. So but, now, yeah, but not a president. Need... Do you think it's a president the refs are going to listen to? I don't think so. What do you think? Who knows? I have no <laughs> idea. But there's no way for it not to touch Devin Booker, Booker last, right? By the science right. of it, yeah. So yeah. it's guaranteed he's going to touch it last in that instance, just like it on every other possession. Uh so 
what are we talking about here? <laughs> so if a defender goes for it at any point, it's just an automatic turnover. No, I mean, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's BS and we all know it. Right. Uh, but it was still a great game unless you're a Clippers fan, but as an agnostic, you know, I just want to yeah. see a good game. It was a good game. Yeah. The, uh, the alley-oop was incredible. Oh my God. And Jay yeah. Crowder of all people with the pass. Like I, I didn't even know Jay could be that good of a passer. And it was point, it was pinpoint perfect. Hit just above Zubach's hand right into DeAndre's two. And yeah, I initially thought goaltending as well. But then when they clarified that it's not a live ball, I was like, oh, damn. Okay, cool. Phoenix ran that play four years ago. Yes, right. My friend Mark sent me the uh, article about that play like within an hour. I'm like, how the fuck did you find this? Oh, I, I remember, I remember I, I, this. In my head, I thought it was Brad Stevens. I was like, wasn't that a Celtics play? And then I just did a quick search. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, nope, there it is. Uh, it was against Memphis, Phoenix, Tyson Chandler dunked it over. And then they talked about it like, what an interesting little loophole within the rules. And you haven't seen it since. Yeah. Nope. It, not it's a that. great play. Mm-hmm. Now teams are going to be looking for it. So you're not going to be able to pull it off. Uh, as much, but they already should have been looking for it because it was used in the game. Everybody should have had that in their bag. Uh, well, Devin did a great job on that screen. And yeah, people are going to complain there was holding or fouling or whatever, dude. It's it's the last play of the fucking game, man. Exactly. People, it's people are conference gonna, finals. Exactly. People are going to finagle whatever they exactly. can finagle. Yeah. Yeah. That um, one's not egregious. There are other times where it's just like, that's clearly a foul. I don't care if it's the end of the game, but it's pretty rare. Yeah. Like right. to influence that. I mean, if you threw a dude down, there's no way. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, something ridiculous. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to tonight and then tomorrow night and then the night after that. <laughs> and then it's going to be a lot of it's going to be sad when it's over, man. I know, dude. I know. My girlfriend was like, uh, we, ha- I, we had to watch RuPaul's Drag Race for the first like the, the she's watching catching up because the new season drops tonight. Just mm-hmm. so I could watch the second half in the main living room with the bigger television. I was just like, I'll, I'll absolutely watch an episode or two of this, if I can get to watch that second half and man, watching that second half, it was fucking stellar. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had it on the computer mm-hmm. while I was sitting there and she was watching. I was like looking up by, by but it was that second half that I mean, cause I mean the, the Suns were up by 10 and uh, the Clippers storm back. So you got to give the Clippers a lot of credit for oh, yeah. fighting back. And Paul, I oh, mean, you got to feel Paul George. Like, it's one of those two. That's a different, dude, it could be a different outcome. You, you feel so, I mean, like I, this is the first time I felt bad for Paul because Honestly, and Tyrone Lou said it best afterwards. Goes, we wouldn't even be in this position if it wasn't for Paul George. Oh, and yeah. he's fucking right. So it's a shame that he had to miss because people are going to come after him. And it's a shame he had to miss uh, both those free throws, man. It's a shame. But I, I think he built up enough good grace that Agreed. I didn't see a lot of usual, the usual PG hate on, on Twitter and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody at this point. Now, if it yeah. happens tonight again and right. then the next night or something, <laughs> there we go. That's a problem. Right. But they've been down O2 twice. So yeah, they've been here before. It which is not a good place to be. No. But also if they hadn't hit I think the everyone's thinking about the alley oop. That's why that's another reason why it's covered as well. Like you're right. He engendered enough goodwill, but also that alley oop was such an incredible play. Yeah. And the odds of that working were so long. So, you know, PG kind of had done enough possibly to win that game, even though he missed those two free throws. They were still in position to win by one point if they don't if they mess that pass up or the dunk doesn't yeah. go through. So well, yeah, it comes just down to how are you not protecting against this anyway if they're going mm. up for 
a further back alley-oop or just a dish yeah. to the low post yeah, should be your primary concern. They only need one point to tie this, so mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to take the lead. <laughs> Do you think so, Beverly conked uh, Booker's nose on purpose? No. Okay. Really? Is there speculation about that? that I'm, like I'm speculating. Play. I'm speculating because you know how rough Beverly can be. and Yeah. They go after stars, man. They go after the young kids' time. That's how the game is. Kind of toughen you up a little bit. So. True, but in that instance, because Beverly was bleeding too, and he was like, yeah, "I'm true. bleeding." But he, I, I, you initiated that contact. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I sided with the Suns on that one. It's like, nah, you know damn well what you did there. Yeah, you did Pat Beverly things. <laughs> as you as you want to do, uh-huh. Pat Beverly, the dirtier Marcus Smart. <laughs> That's Marcus sure. does it. And it feels like it's a good play yeah. on something like that. Yeah. Beverly just like, did you try and hurt me right there? There's a just reputation with Beverly. A little bit. <laughs> just like Zaza and a few other guys over the years. Bowen. 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, and uh, Carlisle to the Pacers. I think that's a nice move. Why not? End your career coaching the team you, you kind of made your bones with. That is a nice move. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Yeah, good. that's what I. It's a you know, Carlisle's an upgrade, but I, I'm curious to see what he's like. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just is like how how he's going through this because it was such a huge like out of nowhere kind of ending to all of us. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. were rumblings before, but it seemed yeah. like he was going to be there, and then to find out that him and Luca had a lot of friction. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all right. Well, you got to side with Luca on this. I understand, and he's been there for long enough, and they yeah. didn't. They could have gotten draft compensation because he's still under contract and Mark Cuban waived that. So they're trying right. to be good about Accommodating. it. Accommodating, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll be intrigued to see how he bounces back and can he coach these young guys up. Should well, be able to, though. I agree. I think so, too. Let's swing it back to entertainment. What was your reaction when you saw Michael Keaton on the set of The Flash, man? Any... What about you? Did you get a chub there? Did you get a little bit of a chub there? I happened to see one picture. I wasn't searching okay. for it, but I did see it. And uh, I don't uh, I don't pay attention. To, I purposefully don't go out and see that, so I don't get jazzed about it because it's okay. not something I want to see. Uh, oh, you don't want to see Michael Keaton back as Batman? Or do you mean any pictures yes. of it till the trailer comes out? Yeah, but I don't even care if I see the trailer. Oh, okay. If I'm going to see it, then I'm going to see it type of thing. Gotcha. So, uh, it's cool. I hope it's awesome. Who doesn't right. love Michael Keaton? Right. It, at point. least I'm speaking as once again, we as the individuals that created fire doesn't <laughs> love Michael Keaton. It's a royal we and a plural simultaneously. So I don't know anybody that doesn't like Michael Keaton. I, he's great. He yeah. is great. I love I him in damn near everything he does. <laughs> I don't think that gene's been invented to hate Michael Keaton. I mean, somebody does. Inevitably. Sure, uh, an ex-girlfriend or ex-wife might. That's possible. Well, I know he was putting out stuff before the last election that engendered a little bit of hate his direction. Oh, yeah. uh, I could see that. Yeah, which is going to happen. It's an election. Yeah. But they could also talk themselves into it, if especially if they're, they're our age, and be like, oh, he was Batman for me. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you know, he's been there for me. He's my Batman. Uh, I still like that guy. Uh, <laughs> did you like the picture? Did it get you even more jazzed? Yeah, I mean, I like because I, I like that they're, you know, leaning into the he's the older guy. They showed they had a picture of the car, which mm-hmm. is very reminiscent of the uh, Batman, the animated series Batmobile. 
So I like that. Um, so that was uh, even though it's like just a regular car, you know, it, it has that vibe to it. So I like that. And you know, I'm I'm curious to see if they pull it off. I like to see in the picture of Supergirl as well, Sasha Kaye in her Supergirl outfit. So uh, to me, it's more like, please just pull this off. I hope it's a fun film. I hope we don't. I hope we don't have to talk ourselves into liking this film, which sometimes happen because happens because of our nostalgia. Yeah. So that's where my mind goes. Is it is, still Ezra Miller? It is still Ezra Miller. And he was, there are pictures of him on set as well. So it is still Ezra Miller. That's not changing anytime yeah. at all. So that's, yeah, I agree with I, you. They're uncomfortable with that one. Yeah. Well, I like him. I just don't, sure. he seems miscast to me. The or, Flash. Okay. Yeah. Or his interpretation doesn't ring as true to me. Gotcha. But I also don't have as strong a connection to Flash. As other people do? Yeah, as others and. The Justice League team up, like I didn't read those comics except sparingly. I have watched a bunch of the straight to DVD or the whatever those movies, and yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. really good ones in that mix. But I, I read Batman, and that was kind of it from DC. Right, right. You're a big Batman guy. Yeah, but the rest of DC, it's just like, man, I prefer Marvel. I'll take X Men. I'll take you know Daredevil. I'll take Iron Man, and uh, read the team ups. If I'm going to read the team ups, I'm going to do it over here. Right. Uh, but that was just my choice. Turns out, you know, I missed some good storylines there by skipping them uh, in the prime yeah. of when I was reading comic books so much. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have as much of a connection to Flash. Right, right. That's so I don't know how good this is in the full, you know, amount of it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I like him. You yeah. Know, if you ever seen like Perks of Being a Wallflower, he's excellent. Yeah, it's just that they've got to, you know, kind of figure out, um, you know, what what happened with him and that girl choking that girl out. You just got to figure that out at some point because people are clamoring about it. People are talking about it. Not enough, obviously, for WB to to recast him, but certainly enough people are talking about it. So we'll see if they ever address it down the road. So I didn't realize he had one of those types of things looming over him. Yeah, there was a video, and it's been taken down. Sorry about that. I'm adjusting my mic on a new side of the desk, so Fine. I was playing around with it. But, um, yeah, there was a video with him, like, choke. Uh, a girl was, like, kind of playing around threatening him, and people videotaped it. It was outside this British bar, and I think he, he like, grabbed her, put her up against the dumpster, and then put her down on the ground. And it was it kind of had the vibe of being playful, but she, then there was all this um, stuff from them saying, oh, my friend was just attacked by Ezra Miller. But then they took the video down. All the accounts were squared away. So I wonder if WB just kind of paid them off and made them you know, keep quiet or if it was all a big stupid prank. But they've never come out and said one fucking thing about it. No one has. So it's one of the weirdest things that you're ever going to see. Yeah. So I don't understand why they haven't said anything about it. So who knows? Speculative, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, as to why it happened, you can conjure what, it, what if it was uh, f- a completely contrived and false thing and they knew it. And WB yeah. came back out with a proof and be like, you really want to go down this route because we'll mess you up. And you're like, you know, we're just going to take those down. <laughs> we'll just go ahead and take those. Yeah. Down. Uh, they just here's a picture of our 15 <laughs> lawyers <laughs> you know what uh you gotta talk me into it all right i'll take it down yeah i was trying to scam you guys for like 10 grand or something but it, that's gonna cost me the first month so yeah, yeah. 
that's good. Yeah, I'll just take that down. But they, if they did that, just come out and say something. That's the thing at the end of the day. Just come out and say something. You're it could be studio. anything. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? We'll you see. can conjure up the they're covering it up. The other side is covering their tracks. The this, that, the other. They're all true. possible. True, true. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> all right. Should we jump into our list or do you want to talk a little? No, it's good for Harrison Ford. All right, cool. Let's get into our list here. Uh, we are doing the top 10 films uh, from Roger Deakins as the cinematographer of the film. So top 10 films with Roger Deakins as a cinematographer. I tell you, Matt, this ha- was maybe one of the most difficult lists. It's brutal. I mean, I've ever had to make on my side of the fence personally. Just, yeah, the last few, in, in like the first five were pretty much there. But okay. everything else was a battle all the way down the line. And even now, I'm not 100% sure I'm correct for myself. But maybe today on this day that we're recording it, my list is correct. But my list could change on Monday. I don't know. I know. But for right now, this is my list. So, And I did. I tried to think of it from the perspective of did I have any initial reaction to the cinematography walking mm. out of it? And That's some great, of them I did great. where that was part of the overall discussion, kind of like Mad Max Fury Road. You mm-hmm. had a, like ah, the color of that storm and the landscapes and the way this was shot was done so beautifully. The oversaturation of all the colors. Right. But done selectively, like very effectively. Um, so something like that where I had the discussion and that's how I tried to let that influence the list as best I could. Yeah. 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 Um, because there are other movies that I left off that are awesome. They mm-hmm. would, if I was just doing my favorite movies that he's been associated with, they more than likely would have made it. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think of the cinematography first. I'm not negating it. It just, these right. others stand out where the choices were very distinct. Yeah. And I spent a couple hours on YouTube just uh, watching, you know, these, there's some great YouTube channels that have, uh, breakdowns of Deacon cinematography and mm-hmm. separate clips. And that was a joy to just watch that, man. I mean, if nothing else, this topic has like kind of uh, woken me up again to enjoying Roger Deacon cinematography and some scenes where I just kind of forgotten about watching them again uh, and hearing the explanations, hearing him on some of those videos explaining what he was thinking and why um, he did what he did. It's, it's incredible. I mean, what's phenomenal too is this is one of the most talented motherfuckers on the planet. And he... Oh, yeah treats his cinematography like this just makes sense to me. Like it's not a big deal. And when people like him, you can tell he gets visibly uncomfortable when he gets compliments. Like he starts to fidget or move around and get all this kind of stuff. Whereas other people who have maybe a little more of an ego would be like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Give it to me. So well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. But his world is through this quiet yeah. lens. Good point. Um, so perhaps just being around that many people, but the more you look at his overall body of work, he's very much an artist because films oh, yeah. end up as a canvas yep. by the different types of lenses or the process by which they, uh, uh, you know, uh, do the film, yeah. render the film, depending if it was actually shot on film. But I know they did it for one movie on my list, mm-hmm, or at mm-hmm. least they tried to replicate uh, anyway. Long, complicated process, but you see all of this, how much thought goes into the composition uh, it's impressive. Yeah. Overall. Very much so. Very much so. Uh, all right. So we're going to do that. And it's uh, inspired by um, Mr. Rivera, who sent in his suggestion. We'll read his list at the end of the show after we compile our list. Uh, Matt, how does the show work? 
we set a topic, Josh or Josh did rather on this occasion. Mm-hmm. And uh, we go come up with our own lists, show back up here. I do a whole mess of them. He does a whole mess of them. And at the end, we combine the shows between the two of us. Synergy. Right. <laughs> yep. All right. What do you got? So 10, like like you said before, those last couple oh. where it was like, a, I can make a case for this. I can make a case for this. Um, brutal. So went with uh, prisoners. Oh, nice choice, dude. All right. Go ahead. For the the overbearing effect, not overbearing, but mm-hmm. the the effect of the like the darkness of a lot of the frames, mm-hmm. the overall look, this ominous like rain cloud, even though it does kind of rain a, a decent amount, but yeah. it hangs throughout the entire film. And for that, I remember walking out being affected by just the way it looked, the feeling mm. overall and how it captured me and pulled me in and brought me into this dark story. Yeah. Uh, God, it just has a nice couple twists and turns and that ending is fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. Uh, but because of that, that's why it ended up at, at 10 the overall look and feel of the movie had just as much of an effect as following mm-hmm. along the story and having a connection to the individuals within it. So yeah. it just, it was a nice marriage between the two. Yeah. I don't disagree. I mean, there were some great shots of Jake Gyllenhaal in the movie. I love the shot from behind him when he's looking at the maze on the ground mm-hmm. and his hair goes through his head. Like, you know, that place, you don't even have to see his face, you know, that feeling, you know, that frustration. We've all had that moment. Where it's like, I figure this out. What is going on here? You know, you've got you've had those moments, and so uh, that's a great placement. I mean, the stuff he does with the rain with the rain in the movie is really uh, uh, daunting. And then mm-hmm. when you see the different locations when they take uh, poor Paul Dano into that house and kick the shit out of him, the shots he's using, the colors he's using, yeah, you know, all of that, the way he uses shadow in certain moments. I mean, just it's a phenomenally uh, well uh, uh, composed film by him for yeah. sure. Yeah. It feels grimy. Without it making it feel like they tried to make it grimy. Yeah. Uh, You're right. And, 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 you know, it, uh, having grown up in Virginia, being around a residential town like that, it felt very familiar. All of that, the way he encapsulated the atmosphere and the vibe with just the way he was setting the camera and the colors he was using and all the angles is like, oh man, you really captured what this situation would be like in a small town or in a town. Not necessarily yeah. small, but in a town for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's my ten. Cool. All right. What's your nine? My number nine is True Grit. Oh, dude, the hardest cut on this list was True Grit. I mean, the hardest cut. But in the end, I was like, I, I, I got something else on there, so I'm gonna cut. But I didn't want to cut it. It's beautifully shot, man. It. It is gorgeous. And it's also a distinct take from the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just choice after choice after choice. And the composition of the shots, it's yeah. it's also beautiful. He works so well with Cohen's because mm-hmm. he brings a character to the overall scene and it's populated by these individuals that are Cohen-esque. Yeah. And in, in this one with Matt Damon having bit his tongue and a one-eyed uh, uh, Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Um, 
or Jeff Bridges, rather. Jeff Bridges, right? Sorry. Yeah, yep. yeah. yeah. Uh, in the midst of this little girl, and then you throw in the other gang on the other side. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It just a. It, it was. It also makes it at nine. There was like four or five movies that are all kind of yeah. smoothly going through this nine down through. And uh, I had the most connection and resonance with True Grit mm-hmm. of those, I think, on this level, at least, where the, sh- the, the overall look of the film really helped sell oh, yeah. the, the achievement of the project as a whole. Yeah. I mean, the sh- he, uh, I was watching an interview with him with Deacons, and he was talking about that shot with the guy hanging from the tree way up top there and, and mm. when they roll up on him. Um, uh, Maddie and uh, and Wooster, and he said, like, um, you know, he said, uh, to me, that was the shot of the film. I had to get that. That's the shot that, to me, encapsulated the movie, and I really mm-hmm. wanted to make that shot work. And so he spoke about how he composed that shot. It was incredible. And then he talked about that shot where the camera's, like, way far away, and you see it start to rise up. And they're coming over the hill, all three of them with the mountains above. He's like, holy shit, you totally forgot her. When Elizabeth yeah. Marvel shows up at the end, you know, with her arm missing and stuff as, as uh, Maddie, and she's walking towards the, uh, the, the whatever, the, the Wild West show, and from behind, and you see the composition of that shot. He's like, fuck. Even the shot of her father's death when she's a young girl, and it's in like that bathe, it's bathed in that light with uh-huh. the snow swirling around it. Man, it's incredible, dude. It's an incredibly well-composed film, man. And it didn't make your list. I know. I know. Trust me, I know. I know. I know. Couldn't talk to right. you. Uh, what's your eight? Uh, my eight might be a punt for you. Okay. The assassination of Jesse James. That is absolutely a punt. Okay. Yeah. All right, so that was my eight. All right, so then my number 10, uh, which is where I made the cut for True Grit, I put the man who wasn't there at number 10. Okay, sure. Yeah. Is noir? Yeah. I mean, as a fan of film noir, uh, of those black and white movies, what he was able to do together with composing this black and white film is gorgeous. And I, sp- I think I watched a few scenes from it just to kind of really make sure I should put this on my list and mm-hmm. just where he places the camera. Again, how he uses the light. The shot of Billy Bob on the couch as Scarlett Johansson is playing the piano. It's so uncomfortable. The scene in the car, the way he makes that all work, and then Gandolfini and the kind of way he lights him in certain moments, all of it to, you know, I know we saw Mac or Mank rather, uh, and that was great in black and white, but it's nowhere near what um, Deacons was doing in this movie Mm. in terms of the cinematography and the lighting and the way he was bringing back that feeling of noir throughout the whole movie. And I think it's Billy Bob Thornton's one of his best performances ever. Okay. And I think he, he just kind of shoots and lights the whole film in a way that uh, brings you into this world, this timepiece uh, convincingly. So. All right. So yeah. I did not have that strong a connection with that movie. So, okay. Good for you. Uh, all right. So then my number nine, uh, this might be a pun from you. I don't know. My number nine is the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, it's a small punt. Okay. All right. So then my number eight is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That's definitely a punt. Okay. All right. What's your seven? Seven is No Country for Old Men. Slight punt, but a punt. Okay. So we're talking five. Yeah. What's your six? 
Uh, my six is Shawshank. Okay, let's talk about it. Uh, so they managed to make a period piece without it feeling like a period piece. And mm. I think it comes from the way visually that he was able to kind of process and deliver this world to us, help yeah. sell that quite a bit. I mean, there's a million beautifully composed shots, obviously the most iconic being when Andy erupts out of the sewer. Oh, hands up. Yeah, and in the rain. yeah, that just going from the God's eye straight up as he's, cursing at the heavens and exalting his new, you know, status of being free. Yeah. Uh, off to say what the nail is that? Is that what, say what, what the nail? Yeah. Say say what the nail. Mm-hmm. Or was it Zay? I thought it was say. I think it's Zay. Maybe it's say uh, what the nail. Okay. I think it's Zay. Uh, but I mean, over and over the, it's yep. just a gorgeous film to take in. And, uh, it's beautifully shot. Like backwards and forwards. Well, think about the shots, right? You think about, and it can be easy to forget the cinematography in this movie, but if you go back and rewatch it for the cinematography, you're bound to be blown away. You know, the scene on top of the um, uh, building after they've paved the roof and they're drinking their beers and the way he, the camera pans Mm. across is gorgeous. When he's playing the aria through the record player and seeing all, I'm like the way the camera goes above and you see all these prisoners stand up in an absolute just uh, shock at what they're hearing. It's a g- incredibly well-composed shot. But even the smaller stuff, like when that that uh, weird fucking dude is telling uh, what's-his-face about um, killing the killing. Oh, the yeah, people. where you just see this cold kind of vicious face from the shadows. Yeah, from the shadows in the light and his uh-huh. giggling and all of that. Yeah, menacing is all hell. Yeah. Oh, the, the simple composition of the warden looking through the hole. Yeah. It's great. Cause it's, it's yes, the pullback. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point, dude. Yep. From inside the room, it's like, oh, there's a hole, but to see it there and just yeah. see this, how, how monumental a task it was just to get this far. Yeah. With a tiny little rock hammer. <laughs> but also like when he's yeah. in the office and this, this thing, just the look of it and the way he makes those woods, the wood come to life with just a little bit of sheen, just a little bit of light across it puts you into the uh, world of this movie so much, so effectively. Um, um, I think it's just undeniable how good he is in this, how good he is uh, composing mm-hmm. this movie. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a movie that's going to stick with all of us. Yeah. Uh, Do you I'm remember that one translates anyway? Go ahead. Do you remember the name of the old man in Saving Private Ryan? Of the old man? What do you mean? Of the individual that played Ryan? Yeah, what's his name? What's Matt Damon's name? Private Ryan. That's it. That's his name? Just Private Ryan? Okay. Um, Well, no, it's James James T. Ryan? James Ryan. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're asking about who the older actor's actual name is that plays him, I don't have the slightest clue on that. Okay. All right. I think it's, yeah, bless you. Thank you. Yeah, if that ever comes up on Schmodown, PJ is really scraping the bottom. <laughs> I would imagine about to be 51 Uh <laughs> just clutching head. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> we had, we had, the other day, we had a, 
terrible question about Barbara Babcock. And it's like, what? Okay, Harrison Young is the guy's name. What was the question? The question was, who plays the mom of Nicole Kidman in Far and Away? That was a five-pointer. And everyone was like, are you? Who the fuck knows that? (laughs) Exactly. Well, clearly the person didn't know that. And uh, uh, Did you? No, I didn't fucking know. Are you kidding? I was like, are you insane to even ask a question like that? Holy shit. That's impossible. Yeah. That is... I mean, yes, there are people out there that know that, but that's such a small sliver of individuals. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly what you said. (laughs) That's a, yeah. If that's a five pointer, then you're not taking into account inflation or something because that feels like a 10 or a 15 pointer. (laughs) I don't think, you know. That seems a little rough. Whoever that was, they wanted that individual to lose. So. Uh, yeah, well. Oh, luck of the draw. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say anything about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, where are we at right now? What number? Six? That, that was, was your six? six. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great stuff there. Even the shots of Zawataneo as the camera's pulling away is beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. So great stuff. To see the lone tree from a distance. Oh, yeah. Next right. to that wall. With the obsidian or whatever it was, glass, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so then my number seven is uh, Fargo. Okay, that was one of the tough cuts. Yeah, really? You cut Fargo? Interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and I, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to put it on my list till, as I said, I started watching those YouTube videos and started to see how you could easily discount this as like a smaller independent film. Obviously, the first one, the one of the first ones that Cohen's done. But when you're watching where he's setting the camera, how he's lighting these scenes and these moments uh, in the cars and in, uh, in, in when they're in the cabin. Uh, and then, of course, like that shot from outside when Lindegard is walking towards his car and he flips out on the car and shit like that. Like mm-hmm. all of those shots, I think, to me, um, are deceptively tougher than you think they are. And I think he did an incredible job. Uh, lighting that movie and bringing the film to life with where he places the camera, where he, I mean, even the camera moving around the house as he is like, you know, wood chipping Steve Buscemi uh, in the guise of, um, uh, of uh, Francis McDormand is really, really well done uh, throughout and all the shots of the snow. I mean, the car coming over the hill, the stationary camera just there. And then all of a sudden the car comes over the hill or the road it makes and you good see point. all the snow. That's all. So just doing a little more, watching a little more scenes just talk me into putting Fargo on the list okay. at seven. So, yeah. 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 I just, I know going out of that, I wasn't focused on the composition of the shots. Although the one with the wood chipper is undeniable. I do yeah. remember going out and like, oh, I love the camera movement within that. Mm-hmm. But the rest of it, perhaps it just takes more time to maybe look at it through that lens, but it still doesn't have that yeah. kind of resonance within me. Uh, but, you know. Once again, it's like 14 on this list. Dude, I know. I'm with you. I don't think there's any fault anywhere on this. Whatever worked for you, worked for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, so then my number six is maybe the most surprising ranking for this movie. I thought it was going to be higher, but in the end, I just couldn't do it. I had to put it where I put it. It's Sicario. Um, Well, why don't we take a quick break? (laughs) So that, that sounds like a punt to me then. Okay. Just a slight punt. And we'll hear this quick word from our uh, sponsor. Mm. All right, there it was. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed that. So my number five. Yes. No spoilers. Uh, Sicario. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, just 
for when they're going down to you mm. know, uh, El Paso. Or, no, it's at El Paso, but they're actually going to go to Juarez. Yeah, Juarez. So it's whatever that border Mex- uh, Texas town is. And then you're going over to Juarez. And as they're flying in, you've never seen more lush landscape oh, yeah. in the American Southwest. It is so gorgeous to look at. And it's the contrast between that and then 20 minutes later, they're driving through and there's a body hanging. And that where it's hanging underneath that bridge mm-hmm. is so haunting. You're right. Uh, and there's numerous of those where you can go like the, the opening scene where they're, they go and they find the house, mm-hmm. how grimy and oppressive it feels in there. Once you realize what's going on in the house and then they yeah. go outside and it's just the Arizona sun beating down on you. And mm-hmm. the, the polarity difference between those two is night and day. Yeah. Um, there's just a million shots like that in there. It's just, it's a beautiful piece overall. Yeah, it's a great point you bring up, Matt. And uh, certainly the shot where we see all the soldiers in the early morning light as they're walking mm-hmm. across, that is stellar as well. Look, I'm going to move my drink. God damn it, I keep hitting it. But yeah, that is stellar as well. Um, all of that that they're doing there. The shot of um, of Emily Blunt in the shower, it's mm-hmm. kind of bathed in a little bit of that grimy yellow. And she's got the like the blood coming off her head from the cut and the fight with John Bernthal. All of that there. Uh, and then you see, like, when they go into the tunnels, all of that, the way it's oh, framed, is so walking well done. through, yeah, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. feeling the claustrophobic nature of it. But they're just yeah. these little serpents coming through in the night to snuff yeah. out other serpents. Yeah. And then even the scene at the near the end with the um, at the table with all mm-hmm. that drug dealer's family, the way he moves that camera and frames it and puts it in certain spots, you're just like, man, this is. This is just a pro at work making this thing come to life. Again, I think, yes, he makes beautiful films. And we'll get to the big epic kind of films uh, in the top five here. But like these kind of smaller, more slash independent vibe films or even medium sized films, he brings complexity to the shots, you know, with how he plays with light, how he plays with the lenses, how he plays with the shutters and the camera, like all of it just works so well. Um, uh, to bring a little more of a weight to mm-hmm. what you're watching. Um, and I think I could argue in some cases it, it signifies that uh, how great he actually is in those shots more than the sweeping landscape sun just coming up during golden hour type shots that he could. It's those little shots that really kind of get you uh, in the mood of a movie, you know? Um, well, I think I it's also... That. They have different presentations for different types. So mm-hmm. within this, you need to feel the tension. Yeah. Whereas in other movies, that tension needs to be drawn out over the course of, you know, something, mm. a punt of yours from yeah, earlier yeah, yeah. is going to come up. Just like yeah. it is drawn, it needs to be mm-hmm. uh, to tell that type of story. Whereas in Sicario, it's, I don't know, just the all these tights, especially like when they're in the cars on the bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The way the camera is going between all the different people and you see those dudes rolling up and you're like, don't do it. Don't do it. This is really stupid. This is really stupid. Yeah. Uh, why do you feel compelled to do this? You really shouldn't. Yeah. You know, you're about to die for another man's wealth. And then even him showing up at the end at her house, the way yeah. he kind of disappears through this, all that. It's just like the way the camera is set, like from the kitchen. It's just genius, man. Just absolutely it, genius. Well, yeah. Now the devil is the devil to you. Yeah, exactly. 
Sinus sucks. Twitch. It sucks when your demon turns on you. <laughs> but the demon, <laughs> the demon yeah. always turns on you. Exactly. Frankenstein's <laughs> monster will, but he's still doing it at the behest of a different form of the government. Yeah, right. Right. So it's just getting compliance and who's in the wrong here. We all seem kind of wrong here. Yeah. Maybe some more than others, but this, none of this feels good. Mm-hmm. Uh, should have never done the sequel without him. Should have never done the sequel without Villeneuve. Probably would have never gotten made, but still, it should have never. True. Yeah. I don't hate the sequel. I don't I just, either. Just, I just don't love it. Right. Right. Um, I, I've watched it more than once, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, and I totally would watch it again. I just would rather watch this. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, okay, so we're up to my five then. Yes. Yep. So my five is the punt from early No Country for Old Men. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this is a film, and we've talked about it on the show numerous times, but this is a film that has uh, um, just really kind of become more resonant for me as I've gotten older. And now going back and rewatching some of the scenes removed from the story, just watching the way – Deacons composes uh, the shots in the movie from that late night when he's uh, going back to check to make sure that he yeah. like covered his tracks or make sure all that stuff is what's happening when he's giving the water to that dude and whatever, you know, oh, all of that. Anton Chigurh's shadow. Yeah, right. And that right. shot of just, you can hear the beep. Oh. Even then the shadow just stops and you're like, oh my God, you don't, you don't realize that Jaws is standing outside of your... <laughs> Motel room right now. <laughs> you don't realize that. <laughs> that sucks. Oh. <laughs> oh, and the way he comp- the way he shoots the sh- the the scene with the with the clerk behind the counter, just brilliant stuff. And then, of course, later on when he's shooting stuff uh, uh, with with Chigurh and him in that hotel room, and everything that he does, and then in the store when he blows up. The car, right, to kind of distract people, how mm-hmm. he's like pulling back and watching Shakur walk amongst. I mean, we've seen, right, people walking from explosions that slow motion. This is a completely different composition, and he's not in slow motion. He's just walking. It's the inevitability of death coming towards you with flames and fire yeah. all around oh, him. It's incredible. I love there's a simple shot early on when he uh, chokes out. That deputy. Oh yeah, yeah. The, oh yeah. The, the camera moving, and you see Over. the scars on you the ground. See, you see oh. the scuff marks from oh. his the soles of his shoes because you didn't see him technically die. That happened off screen. Yep. So to just see the aftermath of how much that dude struggled. Oh. Within that shot, that told you everything. You didn't need to see the person die. There is agony, pain, and defeat right there. Yep. Yep. Show me, don't tell me. This is just a different way to show me, and it's actually scarier. Yeah. Uh so so much about it. I mean, the, the late night stuff, the early morning stuff that he shoots, all of that, the way he makes it work within the the construct of the film. Even when they're coming out in broad daylight, when um, uh, Jim, uh, sorry, Tommy Lee Jones and the, his deputy Garrett Dillahunt, I think the guy's actor's name is, they're riding out to survey what happened with the drug deal mm-hmm. gone wrong. The brightness of the landscape, how it balances off these guys. You know, it's just so powerfully uh, done by uh, by Deacons and shot so well. It puts you right in the mood of the desert, right? You yeah. can sense you've been in a moment like that where you sense the brightness of the of being out there in a place like that. So yeah, just all of it, all of it is so well done. Um, and even the small shot at the end with him and uh, and uh, 
um, the Irish actress when they're having that back and forth oh, about hey, you breakfast? shouldn't do this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't need yeah. to do this. It's a, oh. it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, man. So so good. All right. What's your four, brother? Uh, my four is Skyfall. That's my four. Absolutely. Has one of the most beautiful shots you're ever going to see in a movie. I don't care what, but that fight in the glass. Yes. Office with the reflections of the advertisement from across the way and everything. That is, that is pitch perfect. Every note, but it is yeah. first and foremost, beautiful. It is yeah. utterly beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where you're like, that is art right yeah. there. That specific scene is fucking art. Yeah. I wonder if that's the one where, like you brought it with True Grit, where he said, this is the scene that makes the movie for me. Mm. Is that the scene where he spent the most time of like, I really need to perfect to get all the angles. And so mm. we can get, here's my vision for it. He comes to Sam Mendes and Sam Mendes is like, that is amazing. <laughs> you, you definitely can do that. Let's do that. Like, yeah. uh, you know, he's working with Mendes again. So it's obviously him and like the Coens. It's a collaborative kind of thing. Right. Which it's beautiful to see. It's like, we're both artists. So let's make this art together. Yeah. Um, and damned if that movie isn't, and then there's a million other shots, like driving through just the simple thing of the Scottish Highlands mm-hmm. and the pullback on that. It's, it's yeah. beautiful, but that scene is yeah. some of the best within, within cinema, regardless of, you know, action movie or what have mm-hmm. you blockbuster type of thing. I, I think, um, the shots of Daniel Craig, when he's walking down that hallway, and he comes into that shot of him mm. just just the eyes are lit up. You can see the ferocity of where he's at. Just watching him walk in the dark in the hallway. And then, boom, he's there. And I think it's near the beginning of the movie. But then also, um, as you said, that, that fight is great to bring up. Absolutely, Matt. But also, I think the stuff at the end where you see uh, um, uh, uh, Javier Bardem silhouetted against the house that is on fire as he yeah, comes true. walking towards uh a bond and what he wants to do to bond or even bond in the house when the helicopter shows up and you see the lights from the helicopter pouring through the holes in the house that have been uh, uh, you know uh, exploded into there by the earlier battle from just a few minutes ago uh all of that um is great uh yeah. as well and even the shots when he goes is it hong kong or thailand or singapore wherever he goes and you see and he goes to that bar and you see like the the you know, the dragon designs or the Asian designs there in the oh, red and well, yellow the light boat thing coming yeah, in. Boat thing, yes. Just yeah. mm. that was a part of the trailer to help sell it. And it yeah. definitely was a good, good thing to put in. It was excellent because <laughs> it doesn't give you any of the plot really. No, so it's just a gorgeous thing to to look at. Yeah. But it does set the scene, you know, so nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, My favorite Bond film. Yeah. It's not even close. It's not even close. It's yeah, just it, a, it, gorgeous film for modern sensibilities it gets the seriousness with the right amount of stakes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and javier bardem is a fantastic bond villain he really they, is they go to that now deserted Ooh, island but it was built yeah. up uh that that's a real place yeah um i can't remember what it was it, i don't think it was a prison colony but it was some sort of manufacturing something mm-hmm. or other mm. But anyway, just the the composition and the scope trying to take this really unique location yeah. and give it the character within the scenes and still facilitate the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and even the scene with the train coming through. 
Sure. When they're trying, when they're like, but even the shots of him when he takes the thing out of his uh, mouth. Jaw. Oh, the way the it's cyanide lit. Didn't, yeah. Oh, dude. Just great, great work, man. Just great work. Um, Edward Wilshire says the fire over the lake is chef's kiss. Um, yeah, and uh, he says the final stand at the house is so well shot. Totally true. Totally true. Um, all right, so where are we at? Your That was hour four, I guess. Hour, yes, what's your three? My three is 1917. That's my three. Well, well, well. Here we go. <laughs> it's working out nicely. Uh, we do have one different in the... the Certainly not far. Yeah. But all right. So we're we're close on a lot of these. 1917. It's the combination of as much a single shot and then how they composed doing that. I mean, yeah. that initial descent into the trenches. Yeah. And you just feel ever so slowly within frame, the walls get bigger and bigger, and it becomes a more and more claustrophobic environment where now you're surrounded by death. Yep. Uh, at all times when you're in this mm-hmm. and that's where, and then the end of the film is him coming out of the trenches to yeah. stop death. You know, the wave that's about to, the tsunami wave that's about to crush their army. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, so many, it's like, it's almost a, where to, where to begin with the number of <laughs> shots that I love in this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, when they're walking and when they initially start their walk and through that wasteland, or no man's land, and you're seeing all the, you know, the, 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 uh, I don't know, pits in the land, and there's water in it, and you're seeing all the different body parts and the bodies and the, all the things that are broken. Uh, all of it as they're walking through it is, it's, it's, it's something out of a horror scene. Uh, when the German pilot comes down and all of that, how that all plays out. Uh, so, so well shot. Uh, but you're right. And then when the explosions start to happen in the battle and he's running along the ridge as the explosions are happening is incredible when he's down in the actual trench and he's going through the trench as well. All of that has such uh, is incredibly well composed. Um, oh, yeah. And the stuff at night when he finds the girl in that city in France uh, in the basement living down there, the whole shots at night of well, the orange and the glow of war. against I mean, what he's trying to do. Yeah, there's whole youtube series about how they shot this oh yeah but then the set they built for that little french town or whatever it was yeah yeah. and how they had to because they made you know models Mm -hmm. so then they're choreographing the camera movement and he's got to be part of that process and help troubleshoot okay so how can we get from point a to point b like sam wants to do okay well and just game planning throughout that it's it's amazing just the feet and I love that the beach scene because if you see the shot on top of the shot, you just see like guys running with cameras yeah. and then there's a pickup truck and it just got this camera dangling off of it. And it looks like the best, the most well-funded you and a bunch of your buddies went out to make a movie. <laughs> and that's, that's how good they are is when anybody is that good at something, they make it look that easy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a testament to that when you're watching, you're like, look at, I mean, it's, it, this seems like so much fun for them, for, mm-hmm. you know, the, the guys that are shooting this. Right. Um, well, even the sequence when they're, uh, you know, in the bunker and it blows up. Right. And they've mm-hmm. got like, they're all covered in dust. The way he likes them as they're covered in that dust, trying to figure out how to get out of that situation is incredible um, as well. You know, and the scope when they finally get, when he finally arrives at the battle, 
the scope of that is just stellar. And the grass, I mean, the grass is so green. The way he makes that, yeah. the way he makes that grass look so vibrant and green to kind of juxtapose to what they've just been at, you know, in those trenches, just really smart cinematography from top mm-hmm. to bottom in this movie, man. Yeah. And the movie doesn't work without him, without his cinematography. No fucking way. Does that movie work at the level no, that it does? I don't think it captures your attention uh, long enough to go on the journey with these people. Yeah. So you're not as committed to it. I think emotionally. Yeah. At least I wouldn't be because you don't know these two actors. No, no. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like oh, that dude was on Game of Thrones, and you have to go, oh yeah, right, right. Uh, it's like they're two unknowns, and there are nice cameo roles from more well-known actors. Sure, 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 sure. But yeah, I think it's the compositions and the pacing, and you know everything that they did, uh, choice-wise, that really makes this engaging. Yeah, yeah, agreed, right. agreed. All right, so uh, that was our three. Yeah. So what's uh, your two? My two is the pun from earlier. Oh, brother. Okay. Go ahead, my man. Um, it was one of the f- first movies that I can recall where I wanted to learn everything about how they shot that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also find that on YouTube. But early YouTube, I found that. It was like, how did they, what What did they achieve? But I also had a, a DVD with some of the extras. And they talked yeah. about the cinematography and everything that they did there. Because I, I was fascinated by it to to shoot the entire thing in this sepia tone almost really gives it a nostalgic <laughs> throwback feeling like it's a distant memory that's foggy for all of us about what America was and it's populated by these over-the-top characters uh but they're interspersed kind of throughout yeah um but then the shots like when they're running away on the chain gang and they just keep dropping out of sight into the props <laughs> And then they're timing it out, but the camera is just so far back that you just see it. It's a great comedic effect in the middle of a, a a dramedy, but one of the, you know, one of the best, (laughs) I mean, I fucking, that movie is so good, but it was when, when looking at his body of work, I know this is top two for me in that I talk about all the choices that he made that really sell the movie as a whole for you. And I can go scene by scene of what I love in that movie, just like you can. Yeah. Um, I love that movie. But I think because he got to make such a distinct choice from frame one. Yeah. It helps really cement him being a part of this project to me more so than other films. I think you're a thousand percent correct, man. Honestly, I think you're a thousand percent correct because the, I mean, it was such a gutsy decision to treat the film uh, and I don't remember if they treated it after they shot it or before yeah. they shot it. I think, I think it was, it was in they post it. and then yeah. they ran it through three different, uh, different like uh, inks or whatever the, the processing yeah. chemicals it is right. to render three different shades. And then they composited between, <laughs> I believe that's what it was. So Jesus. they could get like some silvers and some browns and other things and bring in the tone of yeah. hearkening back to, you know, colorizing old black and white film. Right. And it makes all the sense in the world when you watch it. When you watch it, it's just, I mean, you're right. That scene, they're popping up out of the crops. That's great stuff, too. But also the scene in the movie theater and the way that light bounces off Torturo's face when he's being like, do oh. not seek the treasure. Or with the, the with, cross. Yeah, the, the cross. Burning cross. Everything about that whole oh. sequence is chilling as hell. Even with the comedy that's there, with that the guys are you know dressed up as the KKK guys, which I think is a little bit of an homage to uh, to Blazing Saddles, 
Um, but yeah, you're right. The cross is unsettling, oh, yeah. and uh, the the look in Goodman's face when he lifts up the thing, you're just like oh. afraid for that. What guy. about the guy playing the devil who's trying to capture Muddy yeah. Waters? Yeah, in essence. But every time you see like flames and it's reflected back from his shades that he wears at night. Yes. So the the shot is just this close up of him and you just see fi- yeah. like flames dancing in his eyes. Yeah. I mean, it's just like this is Jesus. This film is a lot of fun. You're right, dude. And remember the scene where they where they escape um, uh, with the kid driving the car. Oh, yeah. His, a, like- are you in an OFT? <laughs> All of that and the, 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 the fire in the in the barn at that night as they're as they're peeling out of there is all great. The scene with the with the um what, what do the they sirens? call them? The sirens at the, the scene with the sirens. Yeah. The way that <laughs> shot is so the way the camera's moving as all that is happening, you're just like, oh my god. Did Tim Blake Nelson freaking out because he got turned into a frog? Oh. They loved they loved him up and turned him into a horde of toad. He is such a good actor, and just like you said, the mighty picking and uh, that whole scene with the in the in the oh, record. Yeah, when they're recording, but this oh. even rude. That's a mighty fine picking and a grinning, or whatever he says. <laughs> oh no, it's mighty fine singing and a dancing. Yeah, it's uh, great, great stuff there um, as well. And and then uh, and then the end, the end stuff with the with the water coming in, and like you said, with the mm-hmm. devil guy, like just kind of looking up, and all of that 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 uh, plays out uh, just works so well, man. It just he knew what yeah. to do with that. Uh, Just, you so can feel well. his stamp across the entire. Oh film. yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So then my number two is obviously the punt from earlier uh, from you, the assassination of Jesse James mm-hmm. by the coward, Robert Ford, dude. I don't know. As I get older and I revisit this movie, it become, it moves higher and higher up my list of the greatest Westerns ever, man. And um, I'd rewatched a little bit of it in preparation for, our, cause I'll take any excuse to watch that movie. And not just, the shots here, the composition of the shots where, and I know we're saying this over and over again, but like you got to understand with a film like this, how he is placing everything, how he's shooting everything to put you in the mood of a Western sort of put you in a realistic um, world that the quote unquote Western exists in yeah. uh, for the movie. And he does such a phenomenal job. Like when Brad Pitt is coming to visit that dude, you can see him coming over the ridge, just the solo character on the horse coming down to visit him. Uh, the shots uh, where he's putting his hands through the vegetation is very similar to the gladiator shot where he's putting his hands across some of the vegetation. It's stellar him standing above the vent, just the shots of him standing above the whole train. Um, when they take over the train in the mm-hmm. first uh, few minutes of the movie, all of that was Sam Shepard. All of that is stellar. Then when you go into the town later on in the movie, and some of that is like blurred out as he's kind of navigating the town, all of that is so, so well done. Um, and then you go out there and see all the stuff he does uh, with uh, Casey Affleck and his journey and the way sure. he puts that camera there and the conversations and all of that just s- brings that film so fu- much to fucking life. And uh, Brad Pitt, I think it accentuates what Brad Pitt was already doing to bring Jesse James to life and his interpretation of it. It adds even more weight to what Brad is doing. And you can just sense that, uh, you know, and, and I, I wonder, dude, I, you know, I, Hard, you know, I've only done a couple of films, man. I, small films. I can't even imagine what it's like to work with a cinematographer when you're a superstar and you're like, okay, what are you doing? What's the composition of the shot? What do you need from me? Blah blah. blah. I'm yeah. sure the great ones are very much in conversation with the uh, cinematographer. You know, 
I'd assume so. Or they have a shorthand. Yeah. Type. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I think in different hands, this ends up as like a Terrence Malick film to me, which I'm not going to watch. Yeah. Fair. fair. I don't like, yeah, I just, his meandering for whatever reason. (laughs) And I love that go. I'm a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. Right. Right. The master to me is perfection. That that thing doesn't have much of a point. Yeah. But I am enthralled within it. uh, Whereas Malick just has never done it for me. And I think assassination of Jesse James kind of why more than likely didn't see it at the time Mm. and came to it afterwards. I, I wish I'd seen this on the big screen when it was initially oh, in that Oscar run. So incredible, man. Yeah. But so the incredible. reviews are her back and I was like, you know what? I'm going to see these other things because I think they have a shot at winning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It should have won best cinematography. I think I can't remember. Oh, there will be blood won best cinematography that year, but I think the cinematography in this film is better than there will be blood. Will be blood is better film. Possibly you could argue mm-hmm. that. We could have a debate over that, but I, I think the cinematography in here is just. We well, did the cinematography in No stellar. Country as well. He did two that year. Yeah, two thousand seven. He did both wow. of them in the same year. Fuck, that's a hell of a year. No shit, no shit. <laughs> that's a hell of a year. <laughs> well, you think about him coming, um, and this is a British guy, by the way, bringing to life these westerns. Yeah, these, you know, it's incredible. One modern he does it one. over and over. Yeah, he does. The scene of Brad Pitt walking down the train tracks with the smoke of the train. He's holding the lantern. Mm. That's incredible. The shot where they're, um, Casey Affleck is replaying the killing when he's on stage, the stage lights oh, and they, yeah. how they, how they bounce off the floor and frame him there. All of that, uh, is, is just stellar, stellar work in, in the composition of it all, you know, and I don't know, even the shots in the bar when they're far away and you see the smoke of the bar and they're having the drink, just the simple quick shots mm-hmm. even bring it to life in such incredible ways. And the use, he uses the sun so well in this movie for uh, for Jesse James to frame him in certain ways. Oh, I don't know. I could talk about this movie for seven hours, man. I just love this fucking film so much. Well, that's your two. <laughs> it's my <So> two. Our, <laughs> our number one, then, yeah. I'm assuming, is Blade Runner 2049. Yes, it is. Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Woo! Like, okay. Just as much for me as Oh Brother. Yeah. But he, he got to make so many choices on this. Yeah. Um. And it, it's a futuristic movie that actually kind of feels plausible. Yes. Uh, yeah. It, but the, like the cold warmth of the city versus when they're out with Batista on that almost Dust Bowl mm. era kind of farm. Yeah. And the duality of how you're going to shoot both of those and bring them to life within the, the same world. So it all makes sense. And they go out to Vegas mm-hmm. uh, in the vividness of this desert landscape and then the shots, like how they get to, I mean, over and over and over, you see things through like foggish, like uh, on that farm scene early on. Mm-hmm. Um, God, that movie is just, it is beautiful. It's like in every film, there are moments where you could be like, okay, I'm not seeing too much of the cinematography. Here's a simple scene. <laughs> this is the one movie where there are no simple scenes in the composition of every shot. Every yeah. shot uh, is incredibly well composed to put you in the mood of that movie and never let you out of the mood of that movie. Um, you're right. And, and dude, if the movie poster show uh, the, like the 20 movie posters they issued for this movie all convey the cinematography of Roger Deakins, that tells you 
how much of a masterpiece this fucking movie is. You're yeah. right from from the smoke at the beginning uh, to where you get him in the rain talking to the uh, you know the the AI that he has a thing for. Yeah. See, when he's gotten beaten up and he sees that a, that uh, you know AI come and talk to him with the with the different colors that she has, Harrison Ford where he's at and the sepia tone or the dust. Oh, yeah. Out of nowhere, it makes shot. all the sense in the world too, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you left the city with its coldness and its fake warmth, right? Uh, right, out to the outside world. Yeah, and and even the shots at the end where they're having that fight uh, in the water with the uh, with the replicant and him, um, and all of that in in the in the two cars and all of that. That's incredibly well composed. And then when what's her face shows up in that uh, CGI type of thing to try to trick him or, or even the, the framing of when that replicant is born right in front of Jared Leto and he cuts her throat or her stomach or whatever, that whole sequence, the way it's shot and the way it's lit, it's just like, whoa, man, he's on a whole, him and uh, Villeneuve were on the next level of composition of a movie, man. It really is one of the, I don't know. It's, you could argue it's one of the top 10, greatest films ever composed period you know i don't know i could make that case it's just such a beautiful fucking movie it is. And even shot at the end with gosling when he's on the steps and the snow is slowly coming down on him matt it's so good yeah when yeah when <sighs> just that overhead shot yeah him on the stairs um god it is like you just walk out going well, at least I did. Uh, yeah. Having my initial discussion is n- not about the plot; it's about mm. what I just saw, the yep. spectacle I just witnessed. And yeah. then I get to the plot and discuss that. I'm not saying it's not amazing because I we both really enjoyed that movie. Yes, um, but I was captivated first and foremost by how gorgeous this thing was just to look at over yeah. and over and over again consistently. Yeah. Yeah, it very it very closely edges Oh Brother. Both of them, I think, is just choice after choice after choice mm. really benefits the story as a whole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, well, there's our uh, separate uh, top ten lists of uh, films uh, com- uh, with uh, Roger Deakins as cinematographer. And now we're going to compile we're going to compile this this list and come up with the show's top ten and count it down for you. Don't forget, we're also going to read uh, Mr. Rivera's list, and we're going to do shout-outs at the end for all you patrons of the show. And, of course, if you want to you go to patreon.com slash the top 10, the number 10 there, uh, and go see the tiers that you can donate at uh, and uh, give us some love. Give us some love. All right. All right. So Blade Runner would be number one. Okay. Do we want to say that 1917 Skyfall, since that's our – yeah, one. sure. One, three, and four. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Okay. And then where'd you have Oh Brother? Uh, number eight. Okay. I've got Assassination of Jesse James at eight. Oh, sounds like the coin flip. All right. Where is it? Do you got one? I got the Batman Superman coin. Oh, boy. All right. All right. Let's here you go. See what happens. All right, Jesse James is your winner. Yeah, finally. It's nice to win one every once in a while. 
I feel like you should be wearing a red hat right now. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, you take that back. Right I could say Sicario <laughs> next. Okay. Because um, that was five, six, yeah, five, six, seven, five, five six. six. Yeah. Shawshank, I have it six. I have it at nine. Would you have no country? It's five. All right. So no country. Okay. Uh, Shawshank. Okay. And then we have, I guess, two different on the bottom. I have True Grid at nine. I have Fargo at seven, but. Okay. Well, Fargo would make it. Okay. Unless right. you can nominate whatever the hell you'd like there, because technically it's your spot at this point. <sighs> okay. <laughs> put, put True Grid there. Just put True Grid. All right. True Grid, you want Fargo next? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Done. There we go. Done. Done and done. All right. I had to put you <laughs> Mason Satchel. Put you get in there, John. I know, Mason. I know. All right. Let's count this thing down. The top 10 films with Roger Deakins as a cinematographer. Yeah. At number 10, Fargo. At number nine, True Grit. At number eight, The Shawshank Redemption. At number seven, No Country for Old Men. At number six, Sicario. At number five, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? At number four, The Assassination of Jesse James. By the coward, Robert Cobb Ford. At number three, Skyfall. At number two, 1917. One film with Roger Deakins as cinematographer is Blade Runner 2049. Boom. There you go. That's our list. A good there list of movies. Um, and we have Josh's list. Yeah, let's hear it. Josh Rivera. And he says, uh, this was a hard list to make, and I'm sure I've missed a lot of other candidates. I can't wait to hear uh, what your personal rankings are. P.S. Mm. You can read my list off at the end of the show. I won't be able to. Yeah, okay. Uh, number 10. He has the man who wasn't there. See? Uh, see, see? Not just a movie. Yeah, but a film from Deacons that makes you appreciate black and white cinematography. Deacons should make more films like this. Nine, Oh Brother, Where Out Thou? Uh, He's got postscripts for all these. I'm just going to read through the... Okay. uh, The Shawshank Redemption. The Big Lebowski. That's seven, okay. Skyfall. Ooh, it's six? Come on, man. No Country for Old Men. Okay. Um, Fargo, and then I'll read his posts on, uh, so the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford is number three. And he says a beautifully shot Western from Deacons that hardly anyone talks about. Love it. Whenever Roca brings it up on one of his lists. Yeah. Uh, two blade runner, 2049 still can't believe this was the first Oscar Deacons one. Well-deserved. And finally, number one, he has 1917. It is the peak of what's possible in the cinematic art form. And that is a blurb from Dan Merle. Wow. Uh, so I didn't know we were quoting people we knew, but yeah. I will bring in a quote next week for one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> and far be it to just team colleague Dan Merle, but I think later on in 2049 is the peak of what cinematography can do. Sorry. And that is attributed to Dan Merle. Yeah. Uh, then he put said, uh, also check out my podcast, Team Deacons. 
Where oh. he speaks with someone who's uh, well-known in film and talks about movie-making experience. Notable guests have included Joel Edgerton, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Josh Brolin, among others. That's his podcast? No, no, he said you should check out oh, oh, the podcast, Deacons. Team Deacons. Yes, I can understand that for sure. I didn't know that existed. I might check that out. Thank you very much, Mr. Rivera. I remember when he was, when Collider interviewed, or Frosty interviewing him, that was, I was like, you have no idea what you're talking about. It was tough to see. So uh, I want to see, I want to listen to that podcast and hear people who understand Deacons well. Um, was that just a, a shot across Frosty's bow? A little bit. Just because you can get the interview doesn't mean you should do the interview. That's my point. All right. What's the, uh, where are we at? Where are we at next? Uh, doing the shout outs? Is that what we're doing here? Uh, we are doing shout outs. Okay. Uh, I only, I only met him like twice. I don't really know the dude at all. But, uh, who's that? Deacons? No, Frosty. Oh, Deacons, yeah. I've met 30 times. Frosty, just once or twice. You've met 30 times. <laughs> Easy. Easy. I did a family reunion of his like two years ago. Dude, dude, <laughs> before the pandemic, it was fun. Oh. His family gets down. It's a funny guy. Well, a they funny. get drunk and they get a little depressing, but until they get depressing, it's, it's a lot of fun. I had, <laughs> I had a blast. And this is from somebody who doesn't drink. There you go. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's do this thing. I have it up. Um, all right. So this is our shout out we do for uh, everybody who uh, supports the show at $5 and above over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10. You get a shout out at the end of the month. It's our way of saying thank you very much. And uh, uh, our first one is Mason Sasser. All right. Roby RKS. Uh, Pele Cole. Eric Taylor. Deepak Maurer. Uh, David Steven. Stephon. Christine, Christine uh, Birnat. Andrew Robinson. Francisco Ramirez. Michael Bauer. Colton Thompson. Henrik W. Winterland. Uh, Tom Daniel Williams. Phil Knuckles. Ryan Latonin. Ray Rush. Colson Kuliopoulos. Callie Onkin. Justin Kelly. Lachlan Skinner. Charles Kim. Joseph Curran. Fred Castillo. Edward Wilshire. J. Scotty Sinclair. Sub J. Scotty. Charles J. Clark. Zachariah Kaufman. Jeff Dickin. Sean Labua, Francisco J. Torres, Connor Teal, Michael D. Dyke, Robert Francesco Suarece, Tim Reimert, uh, Dominic Greaves, Eric Bruin, Matt Simmons, Kyle Beckworth, Jeff Kelly, Jeremy Bowers, James Petty, Billy Gilliams, Christopher Brockman, Blake Gant, Haley Morton, Cameron Chapman, Alex Russell, Bobby Michael, Paul Cree, Drew Burkhart, Stacy Flores, Luke Allison, Mark Fawcett, Kristen Kurtz, Bobby Carney, Bobby, Gareth Weldon, Ian Horner, Timothy R. Williams, Chris Lemke, Nick Baldwin in Love with Movies, uh, Johanna Linaverta, uh, JIC 317, the, the DJ himself, Mr. Red Hot Cox, <laughs> Ahmad Ali, Darren Bush, Angela Dashner, Louis Berrigan, Josh Lawrence, Chelsea Lewis, Arilardo Fuente, Regan Lovig, Rodrigo Valverde III, Manuel Rivera, Lawrence Witt, Andre Constantinescu, Steve Schlockabier, Catherine Samuels, Houston Bodily, 
Roque Arellano. Maurice Robinson. Alan Snuffleupagus Bennett. Marcus Davenport. Brandon Caridi. Robbie Prasad. Joe Farrelly. Uh, Charlie McKenna. Mark Manchaca. Josh Mabry. Matthew Jansen. Ben Cartwright. Juan Reyes. Josh Murphy. Josh Sachs. George Manchaca. Dale Varley. Cody Markham. Phil Neglia. Chris Consiglio. Wayne Murphy. Ashley Prowls. Johanna Schmidt. Sujayanth Fernando. Ian Brake Beltran Lopez. Evan Zoller. Thorsten Amuler. Eric Bloor. Zach Butts. Jacob Pullen. Philip Lane. Kevin Fuss. Jen Kemp. Sup, Jen? Ryan McKenna. Andy Tan. Brian Akins. Mike Shea. Alexander Marzonia. Tyler Spots. Gar- Garth Wizenant. Mike Barrington. Ed Buskirk. Jeff Saliba. Noel Kelleher. Jim Payne. David Mitchell Baker. Andy Ortiz. John Keefe. Nathan Williams. Kristen Smith. Matthew Lee Cravens. Marcel Berman. James Trapani. Drew Enns. Dan Nye. Seth Shearer. Andrew Marker. Chris Jones. Luke Larson. Chris Cabrera. Robert Haley. Joey Anthony. Christos Alexakos. And Anthony Castlenova. Well, our thanks to all of you that yeah. uh, support us over at Patreon.com. And that is our way of saying thank you to you. Absolutely. And uh, excellent topic today. Thank yeah. you, Josh. Yeah, thank you, Josh. And thanks to everybody who joined us today live. All of our $10 and above patrons, Mason Sasser, Drew Entz, Edward Wilshire. Uh, is that a James uh, Petty? Thank you very much. And if there's anyone else I missed, I don't think so. I think that's everybody. So thank you all so much for joining us live. This is a perk you get. If you're a $10 above patron, get to hang out with us live from 12 to 1.30, every second and fourth Thursday of the month so that we can do the show. And you get it ahead of times. You get ahead of time than everybody else. So it's a perk. And you can do that at... Join at, at uh, www.patreon.com slash the top 10 and sign up for the tiers. If you want to be part of Topic Thunder as well, that's at the $5 tier, Matt. So please join us over there. Um, if you want to follow any of our onlines, it's at top 10 show, all spelled out on Twitter and then on Instagram and YouTube. It is forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. So uh, please hit us up at any of those, and you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Check out uh, Settle the Score and Dropping Dimes, my other two shows. And that is it for me this week. Yeah, and you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. All my other podcasts as well, The Cinephiles, The Buddies, all those are there. And please head on over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says. So much going on over there. More reactions, more reviews. All of it's been happening in the last couple of weeks now. Hope you guys have been noticing it. And giveaways. Uh, we're doing a lot of giveaways as well. So come over there and hang out with us. And uh, um, let's do. Let's have some fun. All right. That's it. That's it, right? That is it. All right. Take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top 10. Ooh.